Hello, and welcome to Outnumbered, the podcast. I'm Bonnie. And I'm Audrey. And we're moms to a combined total of 16 kids with two more on the way. Yes, we know that sounds insane, and it usually is. But we're here to share the tips that help us keep our sanity and to share inspiring thoughts that help us get through each crazy day. Uninterrupted conversation is foreign to us, but we'll try. And we invite you to join us on our journey as we find joy in the chaos of motherhood. Hello and welcome to Outnumbered the Podcast. We're on episode 13, but lucky for you, today we're going to be talking about picky eaters. Yes, this is something so many mothers struggle with. I I think that most moms have a picky eater at some point or another, and uh, I'm excited to talk about it. Okay. But first, we're going to start with this week's humor segment. And um, this one's kind of an insane mom moment. So when my 16-year-old, now 16-year-old, was about five or six, um, she was having trouble uh, eating her food or finishing she wasn't really being picky, I guess, and, but she was just not finishing her food on her plate, going through a streak where she wasn't eating. So um, we would make her, she would always be the last one at the table and we just, you know, tell her how many more bites she had to eat or whatever. And um, it would, it was like for a couple of weeks, every day a struggle to get her to finish her plate or eat the amount we were asking her to eat. And then one day she just came into the kitchen with a clean plate and she said, here, mom, my food's all gone. And so I was like, wow, great. And, you know, give her a lot of praise. And this goes on for, oh, maybe a week. And I thought, wow, well, we really, I don't know what we did, but we somehow <laughs> fixed that one. <laughs> and then there started to be this smell in the dining room. And <laughs> and we were, we live in the country and so mice is a thing. And so we thought, oh, well, there's a mice, mouse crawled into the crawl space under the basement. And, you know, we have to go find it or whatever. And we can't locate this smell. Well, <laughs> finally, um, we followed our noses to the heat register and uh, opened it up and discovered that there was a whole bunch of food down <laughs> <laughs> that is so gross. <laughs> oh, so the little brat had uh, figured out that an empty plate didn't necessarily mean that she had to eat it. She just had to empty her plate. <laughs> you know, frustrating, but also resourceful. Like, you know, smart kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I kind of went insane and I had to figure out how to, oh, I didn't want to reach down there with my hand and clean it out. Like disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> was rotten food. And I didn't want to vacuum it up because then I'd have to clean out the vacuum cleaner. So anyway, yeah, that was oh, a fun one. Good times. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. So moving on today to today's topic, we've split it into two parts. Number one is our best tips to prevent a picky eater before it happens. And then number two is our most successful strategies for getting them to overcome that picky eating habits. Yeah, yeah. And even though we have some some tips for preventing picky eaters, I don't know that it's ever really possible to completely prevent one. I think all of us will have a kid or two at one point or another have a little picky phase. So don't feel bad if that's you. Um, but hopefully we, some tips we share today can help you out. 
Right. Exactly. I was looking up some numbers on statistics on picky eaters or kid picky eaters. And I, I don't know how they get these numbers, but it's pretty high. <laughs> but um, as moms of almost nine kids, we just don't have time to be Mrs. Peters from Seven Silly Eaters. Have, do you guys like that book too? No, I haven't even... Actually, I keep hearing about it, but we haven't read it yet. So I guess we must... <laughs> oh, that's a really fun book. Um, put it. Yeah. She has seven kids and as they come, they'll only eat one specific things. So poor Mrs. Peters is fixing (laughs) (laughs) all these labor intensive, you know, hand squeezed lemonade and, you know, homemade (laughs) fresh bread and all these things. Of course they wouldn't want, you know, something very basic like an orange. (laughs) They're going to need something super intensive. Yeah. Right. So then that book has a happy ending. That's a really fun one. You guys should read it. Okay. We'll need to pick that one up. Uh, The one, a picky eating book that I really like is uh, one of the Francis books. I don't know if you guys have read those. I think she's a little... I can't even think of she a little bear or a little sort of animal. Anyway. Yeah. Ba- um, yeah badger or something. Yeah. 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 And she, um, there's a book where she will only eat bread and jam. And so her mom <laughs> finally gives in and gives her nothing but bread and jam for like three days. And finally, Francis is like, I'm going to throw up. I'm so tired of bread and jam. And I'm going, hmm, that's, that's one way to do it, I guess. <laughs> uh, so have you had any picky eaters in your family? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Some haven't given me much trouble in this arena at all, but other kids have gone through multiple phases. Um, And and picky eating isn't necessarily like a one-size-fits-all label. Sometimes um, one kid you know, we'll only eat one particular food for a while. One will never, ever try anything that's orange. You know, like there's as many different varieties of picky eaters as there are children, basically. But uh, (laughs) yeah, we we have definitely gone through those struggles and continue to at the present day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've had two sort of picky eaters. Um, our, Our seventh child, he wouldn't eat anything of his own volition. He had to be fed. Like anything you put on a fork and put in his mouth, he would eat it. He would chew it up, but he would never pick up the fork and feed himself like at three years old. Well, that's <laughs> I mean, it wasn't for your seventh child because you got nothing better yeah. to do than food for the kid. <laughs> I assigned one of his teenage sisters to him. I didn't have time for that. <laughs> <Smart>. <laughs> like, hey, you can uh, find some meaning in life by keeping this kid alive. Just feed him. <laughs> Here's your motherhood practice. <laughs> yeah. And then after that, number eight, um, she was exactly the opposite. She would eat anything if she put it in her mouth herself, but she would not eat anything you tried to put on a fork in her mouth. So that was exactly the opposite. That one seems a little bit easier. <laughs> Eventually, as long as they can pick up a fork, they're okay, right? Yeah. yeah. I think the, pick, the picky eating that's especially hard is when it involves the method, right? You're going, oh, great. doesn't matter what I put on your plate. I have to actually spoon feed you or whatever. Right. But, um, I, picky eating for some reason is one of my pet peeves. I, maybe it's just because I uh, have a big family and don't have the time or the patience to cater to it, but it really kind of irritates me. And so, um, so I try extra hard to not, uh, cater to kids that have specific whims because it just, it's just a pet peeve of mine. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, here's one of our best tips to prevent a picky eater. Um, what we do is we're going to have a whole episode coming up on breastfeeding, but, um, just, I think that has prevented a lot of picky eaters in our family is we um, do extended breastfeeding and then introduce food a lot later. So we don't do, you know, rice cereal and mushed bananas when they're three months old or whatever the recommendation is. We just skip all that and continue with the breastfeeding and introduce foods a lot later. And I I think, I don't know, maybe I read some studies about um, them giving their 
it actually gives their taste buds time to develop Mm -hmm. because um, like you eat a bunch of different foods while you're breastfeeding and then they get the taste of that through that. Anyway, I don't remember the scientific part, but it's something that I feel like has worked well for us. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I I have never done much um, studying in regards to um, introducing foods later, but we just did that naturally because I got lazier. (laughs) My first kid can like not even hold up his head and he's three months old and I got him in a high chair like, oh, don't you want some rice cereal? And I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) So... So now just out of laziness, I don't feed my kids any solid for a long, long time. And it does seem to help things. Their um, adjustment to uh, mouthing food and swallowing it seems to be so much easier. I I really don't think they miss out at all on not being introduced solid foods really early on. So, Yeah, I've even seen some studies that show things like um, certain kinds of foods, say um, nuts, shouldn't be fed to any kids before, say, one years old because of the potential of um, food allergies or even, I don't know, they think maybe there's a connection between developing food allergies and feeding some of these foods early. But uh, yeah, I'd say laziness for the win. (laughs) Amen, sister. (laughs) Yeah. So Um, so my next tip in preventing the picky eaters is to watch out for your own reactions to certain foods. So I specifically remember on one of those first couple kids that I was feeding baby food to really early on, uh, I had picked up peas, mashed peas in the baby food aisle. And I cannot stand mashed peas. <laughs> I like peas fine, but in general, like the baby food aspect of it really grosses me out. And I noticed that when I was trying to feed it to my kid, I would make these faces and I wasn't trying to. It was just kind of my own reaction to, oh, this smells awful. And um, then I started reading, oh, you're actually conditioning your kid to hate something, <laughs> duh, you know, by making this face or or by having any sort of reaction to it. Um so I thought, okay, well, from now on, even if I would never touch that with a 10-foot pole, I'm going to be a good example and try not to smirk <laughs> at it. Oh, allegedly, there's some sort of story in my family from when I was a kid and I would, my way of being picky, I think, I guess, if I'm remembering the story correctly, was just to hold the food in my mouth and not oh, swallow it. Gross. <laughs> So um, apparently one night my mom put me to bed in my crib and I still had peas in my mouth. And she said, when you, you know, you can get out of bed when you, when you have those down. And I woke up in the morning still with peas. (gasps) Oh, gross. That does not sound safe. (laughs) Oh, peas, peas. I... I still can't eat peas to this day. <laughs> yeah. You know, I had some some traumatic food experiences as a child too. And I thought, okay, I think we're going to prevent that, hopefully. <laughs> oh, yeah. That kind of leads into my next tip. So be a good example of eating foods you're not fond of, um, except peas. <laughs> <laughs> you Even you have your limits. Oh, but like, for example, I'm not super fond of Brussels sprouts, but my husband loves them. So we eat Brussels sprouts a lot. And I just go ahead and eat Brussels sprouts without, you know, trying to turn up my nose or make gagging noises or whatever. (laughs) Good for you. you. Okay. So be open to trying new foods. So if you're not fond of trying things new or not a good example of trying something that you've never seen or heard or tasted, heard of or tasted before, then your kids are going to be, like you said, conditioned to have that same reaction to new foods too. 
Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. That's funny that you hate Brussels sprouts because I also love them. <laughs> I made them the other day and a couple of my kids turned up their noses and I'm like, pass it over. I'll finish yours. <laughs> Not funny. Um, and I like to tell my kids stories of things that I disliked as a child that I enjoy now because that's quite a few oh, yeah. things. Um, we had, you know, your typical table rules when I was a kid. You have to eat what you're served. You have to clear your, clear your plate, that sort of thing. And so there are a few experiences I distinctly remember of trying to swallow squash. And I have <laughs> a really strong gag re- reflex. I just do. And so I'd be sitting at the table gagging and uh, feeling so awful, like I will never touch this food again. And so there have been quite a few foods that I felt like I had a hard time with for a long time. But as an adult, I've learned to prepare them in a different way or try them in a different dish and 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 like a lot of them. And so I'll tell my kids that all the time. Oh, you know what? You really hate broccoli. Guess what? I could not stand sweet potatoes as a kid. I thought they were so gross. And now aren't they so yummy with, you know, and talk about however we prepare yeah. them. Um, and it helps them realize, oh, my tastes right now aren't going to follow me forever. It, I'm totally free to change them if I decide to, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I guess I do that with my kids too. I didn't like mushrooms when I was a kid and I love them now. Yeah. So I share that with my kids too. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like to ex- try to expose my kids to foods in different ways. You know, so for example, I still am not a fan of squash prepared in any sort of sweet way. So like the Thanksgiving squash dish with brown sugar and marshmallows or Marshmallow. <laughs> whatever else they do. That that really grosses me out. I don't know why. I just can't handle it. But, but I love it savory, prepared in a savory dish. Okay. So anyway, just different ways to to explore. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Another tip I have is that limiting sugar and simple carbs will actually help uh, develop their taste buds. So if kids eat a lot of sugar, um, that's what their taste buds are going to be most used to. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it can actually, I don't know, I've read books and studies, it can actually sort of I don't know, like chemically the sugar takes over and starts telling their brain that other foods that don't have sugar in them are not good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, we found that pretty successful limiting sugar and carbs so that they um, are more open to other kind of foods. Yeah, I can totally see that. In fact, an example in my own life is uh, this last uh, holiday season, I just kind of went crazy and ate way too much junk. And so come January, I said, all right, totally cutting out a a large portion of sugar. And what I found was that um, not only was I eating fewer treats, but my other foods started tasting better or or I was slowing down a little bit to enjoy them more because I knew there wasn't going to be a cookie waiting for me at the end of the meal. And I thought, wow, look at me enjoying real food instead of just, (laughs) just defaulting to some junk at the end. Right. Yeah. Right. When I was a kid, um, my, I think my dad was kind of a picky eater. There was certain foods that he definitely didn't like. So, and then, um, maybe my mom didn't just knew that. And so cooked for his taste, or maybe she didn't have a very wide, um, repertoire, but there was a whole bunch of, um, fruits and vegetables that I had never tried in my life before, um, I got married and it was kind of fun to experiment and play around, you know, try artichokes for the first time, for example, or asparagus and um, just kind of get to get to taste them and try and see. My next tip is to not regularly offer your children, quote unquote, kid foods. So I think we all know what we're talking about. Chicken nuggets and mac and cheese and french fries (laughs) and, you know, all the stuff that's on a kid menu at some restaurant. And I'm not saying that, you know, you can't ever feed your kids this stuff, but... 
I have found that if we have anything that is that kind of really simple, typical kid fare, my kid will not touch anything else with a 10 foot pole because duh, there's French fries at the table, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I'm really not a fan of this. I just think it, it teaches kids, you know, especially like at a big gathering, this is the adult food and this is the kid food. Well, how's a kid ever going to learn to eat the adult food if he never gets a chance, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And my next tip is don't define your kid as a picky eater to others. Um, like, oh, little Johnny, he just cannot stand anything with cheese on it. Mm-hmm. So we never, you know, and you have some guests over and like, okay, what are we going to feed little Johnny then? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But if you define them as a picky eater, you know, not liking a certain thing, that sort of reinforces it in their mind that mom's okay with this. And I can, you know, that's part of who I am is I'm not a cheese eater or whatever it is. And that's, I don't know, I think that's kind of setting your kid up to fail. Yeah, I agree. Um, Yeah. And heaven forbid they try something new or else they might lose their their place in the family as the special picky eater, right? (laughs) Right, right. And you might have fixed it a different way than mom fixed it and they might have liked it. the kid would have had an opportunity to try it, like you said, a different, fixed a different way, except that they've already been defined as not liking yeah, that food, giving, so they can't try it. You're giving them permission to change, exactly. And now that yeah. that being said, I actually am a terrible example of this lately. I'm pretty good at it with my young kids because I know their palates haven't really developed, but my nine, almost 10-year-old right now is particularly picky. And I just have a bad attitude about it. And so every time she says, what are you making for dinner? I pretty much always say something you won't like, (laughs) which is terrible. Got to stop that. that. (laughs) Yeah, I need to stop that. Okay. So um, the next tip I have is to remember that studies show that kids need to try something new 10 to 15 times before liking it. And that is (laughs) kind of mind boggling and overwhelming. um, But it's just an important thing to remember. Okay. My kids tried this five times. You might think it's time to give up, but not yet. I I promise they'll get there. And um, one of the frustrating things about this to me is that I hate wasting food. And so in order Mm. for my kid to try it, I put some on his plate and then something is going to get thrown away. But we'll talk a little bit later about uh, tips for, for avoiding the wasting of food that kids won't eat. So... Right. That reminds me of a funny story. Um, I fixed wild rice for my kids. Oh, I don't know. This is years and years ago, maybe 10 years ago. And I fixed so much of it that um, we had wild rice and they didn't really like it. But then it was like we had it incorporated into the next six meals because there was so much <laughs> left over. <laughs> so maybe not 10 to 15 times in a row. <laughs> oh yeah. Actually, now that you say that, that was another um, study I read that, uh, if a kid has trouble eating something or even if they like it to just, um, mix things up in serving things in a row, you know, so if your, your go-to side for a kid is carrots, try to do carrots Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and broccoli Tuesday, Thursday. So it gives their, their little mouths a chance to try something else and then go back and realize, oh, this is the texture I tried before. I just thought that was an interesting tip. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, get them involved in grocery shopping is my next tip or in meal planning or prep meal prep. Um, just uh, get, get them involved with food and maybe because they've put the effort in, they'll um, be more open to trying it. Uh, like, for example, um, we we're at the grocery store the other day and my little boy saw pomegranates and he's like, what's that, mom? And I'm like, um, I don't know. I've never tried it before. Let's let's get it and try it. And my husband's really good at that, bringing home, you know, some strange looking dragon fruit or something that you've never tried. And (laughs) 
looking up on YouTube how to how to cut it open and how to prepare it. And then we all try it and everybody's like, oh, yeah, OK, I like this or I don't like this or whatever. Yeah, that's a great tip. I, I still remember grocery shopping for the first couple of times as an adult and realizing how many different foods were out there. And I think we ate a, a fairly good variety when I was a kid, but there were still things that my mom just never prepared. And like Brussels, right. Brussels sprouts, maybe that's why I like them because we never had them as a kid. <laughs> and so to look at them and go, huh, interesting to just be a little bit more adventurous uh, is going to be a real helpful to our kids, you know? Oh, yeah. And what's really cool is um, if you go into like a diff- an ethnic grocery store and look at all the different foods that are in there that you've never seen or never tried or never heard or of before, you can't even pronounce. That's really awesome to think about all the different foods that we are, we don't even have as part of our culture. Yeah, and you, it can help you get out of a rut if you think that you're eating the same stuff over and over. Yeah, um, we have one book we use as part of our homeschool education. It's called Eat Your Way Around the World, and um, it has recipes for different um, countries around the world. So we tried um, oh, a couple of weeks ago. We tried sweet potatoes, but you fixed them the way the South Africans do. And it was incredible. It tasted totally different than we've ever had sweet potatoes before. Like we've had them both sweet and savory, but this was a completely different way of fixing them. Um, Maybe just different spices combined or whatever. And that book has been really fun. And then after we um, do whatever country we're studying, um, then I have this little paper that the kids fill out uh, afterwards that the younger kids that are studying it. And it says like, how did you, you know, the name of the food and how you prepared it and what you, what you liked about it and what you didn't like about it. And if you would like to try it again. So just kind of like putting it all down on paper and analyzing it. Well, that's a really good idea. I I like the idea of that book. Maybe I'll find that. Yeah. There's also a spot where we always take a picture of the food or them with the food and then put that on the, um, on the paper too. So it's kind of a fun, unique way of trying different foods. Yeah. And I'm all about a chapter study that involves, uh, food. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Okay. And so our last tip in avoiding picky eaters is to be aware that an aversion might actually mean that a kid has a true food allergy or sensitivity. So this is something that, um, you know, we hear a lot about today. Lots of people have allergies and sensitivities, but sometimes we don't realize that a kid will actually be communicating this to you in his own picky way. Um, and we might just, just brush it off as, you know, a picky eater. Um, an example, an example of this is when my oldest, I think I talked about this in a previous episode, when my oldest had some really serious stomach issues for years and years, he was hands down my pickiest eater ever, ever, ever. And we were eating really Mm. healthy and lots of vegetables and fruits. And he would only eat a meal if it was simple carbs and a dairy product. So like, a cheese quesadilla or a bowl of refined cereal, or I'm going, kid, you're killing me. And then come to find out after we went through lots of tests that he was actually harboring a specific bacteria that liked to feed on these kinds of foods. And when we were able to heal him, all of a sudden the kid was like, oh, this is good. Mm, I like this. And trying all the things. I'm going, that is bizarre. (laughs) Who would have known that his gut was telling him to eat this stuff because that's what was – feeding this, this harmful bacteria in his body and making him sick. So something to think about. Right, right. Be aware that there might actually be a problem. Right. Okay. So now we'll share our most successful strategies for when that plate is in front of them and they do not want to eat what's on it. Yeah, that's right. So I'm sure that everyone has heard of the, the one to five bite rule or whatever, you know, where you're, you're, you're insisting that your kid at least try the food. Um, 
for us, we usually do uh, that the child has to try the same number of bites as their age, right? So my four-year-old has to try four bites. My five-year-old has to try five. Yeah. and then after that, they can be done. I don't require that they finish it simply because of what we talked about. I don't really want to make it traumatic for them. I don't want them to throw up. I don't want them to hold it in their mouth for 12 hours, you know? And, but but I do feel like it's important for them to try it every single time because like we're saying, every bite counts towards that 10 to 15 tries, right? Right. And then if my kids are still hungry after dinner, mostly because they haven't eaten what I've prepared, then we have one or two options and they're not fun options. It's either a plain piece of bread and we have wheat bread. It's not like it's fun <laughs> white bread to eat right. or um, a, a basic piece of fruit, a, an apple or a banana. No treats or snacks or anything fun to eat, just something that will fill their belly and, and allow them to sleep. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um <clears throat> So we require our kids after they've declared that they don't like this thing, whatever it is, to take three more bites. Um, Because like you said, it's better than just one bite. And uh, then it's getting them like sometimes I taste something and I don't like it on the first bite. But if you take a couple more, you know, maybe your palate has adjusted a little bit or something and and it's not as bad as you thought it was. Yeah, I agree. Some things that kids might not like about the food, which are important to, to think about, are both the taste, the texture, and also the smell. So all three of those things are really um, intrinsically connected in how we um, how we process a food, basically. So to try, it, yeah. to try it in a different form is really helpful. Like, for example, I am not a huge fan of raw spinach. If it's in a salad, I can kind of tolerate it if there's other lettuce too. But I love it cooked and with eggs. I love it, you know, blended up in a green smoothie. So to just give your kid an option to try it in a different way and say, see, the taste isn't so bad. Maybe it's the texture that you didn't like, or maybe it's the, the yeah. smell. Yeah. Beets is a good one um, because a lot of kids will say they don't like beets, but there are so many different ways to prepare beets that they could try them roasted or pickled or boiled or, you know, stir fried or all these different ways you could try beets. Yeah. It's funny that you bring that up actually, because I was a beet and a cabbage hater before I went and lived in Russia for a year and a half. So that was kind of a problem at first. I'm going, all these people (laughs) eat is beets cabbage and potatoes. (laughs) Like how am I going to survive? But the way they prepared it in almost every instance was delicious. And it had been something that was totally foreign to me, you know, all their different methods of preparation. And I came home really enjoying it. Now there's still ways that those two things can be prepared that I dislike, but it was a really eye-opening experience to go, oh, these different flavors. Hmm, I've never tried it like this. So... And and that leads me to my other thing about that is to um, expose your kids to different ethnicities of foods, right? Uh, Like... I like to take my kids on -on one-on-one dates, you know, when they need some extra attention to go to an ethnic restaurant. Let's go eat Chinese. Let's go eat Indian or Thai is a great way to get them to be exposed to new foods, new flavors, new textures and smells, and just be a lot more well-rounded in their, in their palate. Right. Exactly. My kids absolutely adore sushi and I never had sushi until, like I said, I was married. Then I was like, kids, where are you getting this from? But they love sushi. My kids the same way. I never had it until I was probably 25. And uh, my kids ask for it every week. And I'm like, "Uh, I have eight children. I can't afford sushi every week. (laughs) I know. We've actually learned how to make sushi ourselves. And we'll do that. Oh, once every three months or something just for a special treat. And we'll have an only sushi meal. And those brats can eat as much sushi as I can yes. roll. Mm, that sounds delicious. It just sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you get them involved. You know, one kid put one kid on chopping up, you know, the cucumber and one kid on, you know, doing whatever. And it, it all, it, it's just fun. You got an assembly line going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
so, okay. So one thing to think about, and I'm sure, you know, as a mom, everybody knows this, but complete nutrition needs for children are very important. So um, don't allow them just to eat macaroni and cheese. Um, don't buy it. If the, if the only thing they'll eat is macaroni and cheese, quit buying it. You're in charge of that. So, um, you know, if they only eat macaroni and cheese and you don't buy macaroni and cheese, then they're going to have to eat something else. Yeah, exactly. This goes back to what I was saying about offering kid foods. Um, so I remember reading somewhere that it says, everybody in the family has a role in the nutrition of the family, right? The parents are in charge of providing the healthy foods. You buy it, you cook it, you give it to them, right? That's your job. Don't don't let them yeah. tell you what to what to buy and what to make. But yeah. the child is in charge of what and how much he will eat. And we really can't force them to do that, right? You know, short of crying their yeah. jaws open, which doesn't work so well. We we can't take away their agency <laughs> and that's okay. But the more that we expose them to these good wholesome foods over and over and over, they'll they'll learn to pick pick it up and try it. Um, right, but, but exactly. we have to take our own job <laughs> seriously of providing the good stuff over yeah. and over, right? Right. Yeah. So um, if you know you're going to be fixing something for a meal that they might not like or something that is new to them, uh, one thing you can do, a good tip, is to limit snacks um, that afternoon before you're serving them, you know, squash for the first time at supper. Um, if their tummy is already full of snacks they've been eating all afternoon, they're less likely to be open to trying that. Oh new yeah, food. for sure. I know that. I know that's true. When I'm, when I'm extra hungry, I will eat anything. <laughs> I don't care if I like yeah. it or not. Um, and also on that note, I've noticed that if we have a side that I know my kids will just go crazy for like garlic bread, they're obsessed with garlic bread, then I will put that on the table just a few minutes after they've already started eating the main dish. So I'll give them the main dish and I'll say, Ooh, Oh good look, tip. I almost forgot the bread. And then I bring it up because otherwise my kids will eat three pieces of bread. <laughs> And then they're done, you know? So, um, yeah. yeah, that's kind of like, here's your little treat. You can have your garlic bread now because you've already eaten a few bites of real food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, my next tip is to offer a wide variety of food. Um, so your plate, you don't have to offer every color of the rainbow, every meal, but, um, if everything on your plate is one color, that might, that should be a good clue that you're not offering a big enough variety of food. So if you've got, you know, white mashed potatoes and white rice and white chicken and, you know, something else, a white roll, then maybe you're not offering enough variety in there. So that was one trick my mother-in-law taught me was that the food, like at a restaurant, you go to a restaurant and they put those meals together, you know, they say, okay, you're going to have a steak and you're going to have, you know, whatever sides with it. And they've planned those partly because of presentation and the way it looks and the colors that are on your plate. So... That's something to keep in mind on offering your kids food. Um, offer them a wide variety and think of different colors and textures and flavors when you're cooking the meal too, because those are all things that they might um, be more open to trying or at least get a little nutrition through one of the things you're yeah. offering. Yeah, I love that. When, when you think of the rainbow of foods, I notice that there are definitely certain things that we eat a lot more of. We eat a lot more red and orange than uh, purple and blue. There's actually blue fruits and vegetables, you know, so it's interesting to expose yourself to new yeah. things like that. Um, and, and that actually reminds me of one thing I wanted to mention is that don't be too hard on yourself when your kids seem to be stuck in a rut for several days at a time. I remember a doctor telling me, to just be a little cognizant, a little more cognizant of what they're eating over like a week or two instead of a day. So one day my okay. toddler may only eat bread. Like that's just all she wants and she refuses to eat anything else. You know, I'm, I'm not going to freak out about that day. If it goes on to day two, three, four, then maybe I'm going to say, okay, no, we're not having any bread. 
anymore, you know, but just to realize that yeah. sometimes their complete nutrition looks like more like a three, four day cycle instead of uh, like right. us, we want to have a balanced meal at every single, every single meal. But for a, for a toddler, that might not be as realistic. Yeah, that's a good note. Um, also, I one of my tips for helping picky eaters make sure they get that full nutrition is green smoothies. I know these are really hip and trendy right now, but they are, but it's for good reason. They're <laughs> really good. Um, it's easy to put just about anything in there and get your kid to try it. So we first tried them when my oldest was going through his stomach issues and he was really little. And I remember I paid him a quarter to just try a sip because <laughs> he refused to touch it because it was green. <laughs> and I and I paid him the quarter and he took a sip and he was like, oh, actually, I kind of like this. And then. And, you know, it was love from then on in our family. So I, I love trying just any new thing. And, and if they say later on, oh, well, I don't like beets. Well, actually, remember that red smoothie we had? It was red because there was beets in it, you know. And I have heard controversial things about like not telling your children what you're sneaking in their food. But sometimes desperate times call for desperate measures. <laughs> exactly. If you really need to get some nutrition on them. And we're totally about sneaky milkshakes around here too. <laughs> like, especially when they're really too young to understand um, nutrition and getting the right kinds and enough. Like, yeah, I agree with an older kid. Um, you know, maybe they're 10 or 12 and you're sneaking stuff into their milkshakes. That That's kind of a disciplinary problem there. But, you know, when they're two and they don't really understand and they've thrown all their food on the floor, and, but they'll drink a milkshake with the same stuff in it. Yeah, go for exactly. it. Do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah. And then another thing um, I like to do a lot is put vegetables in muffins for breakfast. Um, breakfast is kind of a hard time to get vegetables in, but it is another time when they're eating so you can put some vegetables in. So for example, you can do pumpkin muffins or you can do zucchini oh, yeah. muffins or you can do, um, there's a, a good morning muffin mix and it's got like carrots and raisins and walnuts and apples and pineapple and um I think that one might even have zucchini in it too. Anyway, there's all sorts of vegetables that you can grate up and put in a muffin for breakfast. And because the muffin has a little bit of sugar in it and the kids, it's presented in the muffin yeah. shape, the kids are like, Look, oh, muffin. a cupcake for breakfast. <laughs> Never mind the green specks. <laughs> yeah. And the nice thing about adding uh, vegetables to muffins is that it always helps the, the moisture level in the bread. So like I, I've noticed zucchini and pumpkin muffins are always a lot moister than some other varieties. So it's a win-win. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And you can use applesauce in place of oil or, you know, butter or something um, for extra nutrition if there's ways yeah. to sneak it into yeah, a muffin right. a that's lot. Right. <laughs> um, I One of my tricks is I love serving foods, specifically like casseroles or soups that they love, but um, putting in extra legumes or vegetables um, Sometimes without telling them, it's fine. If they ask, I'll tell them. But And sometimes we do it in place yeah. of meat. So if I'm thinking that we've eaten a lot of meat that week and I just want to have a meatless meal, then I will like make enchiladas. Um, but instead of chicken, I'll throw in chopped up zucchini or butternut squash or something like that. Um, and my kids, it's it's the same flavor that they're used to, the same sauce and cheese and things. Um, but they're getting an extra dose of vegetables in there without without any complaining. It's pretty great. <laughs> Yeah. The first time um, we fixed eggplant Parmesan, it tastes just exactly like lasagna. And everybody's like, wow, this is awesome lasagna. And I'm like, mm, <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hmm. Well, my last tip is to supplement with vitamins. So if you have a super picky eater and they're just not getting enough nutrients and their health is starting to suffer, um, you can definitely and should be supplementing with vitamins. Um, I even have read studies that feel like um, even if your kid is eating a complete uh, 
nutritious meal every single day, that they're still not getting everything they need because um, a lot of our soils are deprived of minerals and vitamins. They've a lot of it has been washed down to the sea or been taken out. And so um, some studies show that you can't actually even get enough. So supplementing with vitamins is uh, a tip. Yeah, that we use. I agree. Um, I'm a big fan of Green Smoothie Girl. Have you ever heard of her? No. She um, is a real natural health food advocate and she has lots of awesome supplements. Um, I don't know if she still carries them anymore, but in the past we've had like powdered greens or powdered red vegetables that we can like mix in a smoothie or a drink to get an added nutrient benefit. Um, And other, you know, immune boosters and things that you can sneak into your kids' food or drink to help them just be a little bit healthy where they're lacking (laughs) in nutrition. Um, And then that brings us to uh, some concrete recommendations we wanted to share with you guys for picky eaters. Mine is another website uh, called Simple Green Smoothies. So like we talked about green smoothies are everywhere. This particular website has been, they've been sharing recipes for years and years and years, and they have some of the best recipes ever. So sometimes uh, smoothies can be easy. You just throw together an apple, a banana, and some spinach, and and you're good to go. But sometimes you get tired of the same old stuff. And so I'll hop on there and um, make up a couple different smoothies for my kids, and they love every single one. Um, And then also uh, juicing. You know, sometimes all your kid wants is some nice... um, simple juice that doesn't have any flex and, you know, any, any like texture to it. And yeah. so sometimes we'll, we'll juice veg, fruits and vegetables that they would normally maybe turn up their nose at, but it gets, gets them some extra nutrients in there. You don't get the fiber, but it, at least you get some vitamins and minerals. Okay. And, um, we have a favorite recommended, uh, kids vitamin that we use. So we'll link both Bonnie's uh, recommendations and mine in the show notes. And um, also we really like to use the spirotine milkshake powder. It's a, uh, you, you know, you're, you throw in your frozen fruit and a handful of spinach and then throw in a scoop of this milkshake powder and it adds a lot of good, healthy proteins um, without getting into some of the, oh, like you don't want to use like the bodybuilding <laughs> way once that's yeah. not appropriate for kids. But yeah. this one is Where do you a good buy one that? for kids. Um, you can get it on Amazon. Uh, I have a local health food store oh, okay. that carries it. Sounds good. Okay, that's it for today's episode on picky eaters. Good luck, moms, with those kids who just won't eat. Uh, hopefully, some of our tips will help you. And keep on trying. That's right. Just just keep at it, and you'll get there. I promise. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Outnumbered, the podcast. You can contact us at outnumberedthepodcast at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at outnumberedthepodcast. We're so grateful for our listeners and would love it if you take the time to leave us an honest review on iTunes, Stitcher, or any other podcast platform. And don't forget to share the podcast with your mom friends. Can't wait to talk next time. Bye. Oh, excuse me. Okay. So like, for example, um, where was I going with this? That's okay. I can go if you want. (laughs) Hang on just a second. Okay. I know there was a thought here. Oh yeah. Okay.